This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's Bartender Journey Podcast number 195. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we had our first live video event and we invited you to join us for uh, to make some cocktails. And, uh, and we had some people join us, but we have the audio of that recorded and uh, that's what you'll hear today. So uh, we, we invited you to join us and to download the uh, menu that we're going to make and the uh, recipes. And you can still do that if you get over to uh, Bartender bartenderjourney.net and the pod, the uh, posting that goes along with this particular show, one, number 195. We'll put a little form there and you can request the recipes and the menu and uh, we'll, we'll send you that PDF. So here's what happened. It's Barcraft Live, our first live event, uh, Bartender Journey. Brian Weber here in conjunction with Stefan and I'm always afraid I'm going to pronounce your last name wrong. It's Kiespath. Ah, see, I would have I got that totally wrong. <laughs> and Stefan does a uh, German language podcast called Cocktail Podcast. Got to, how could I forget that? <laughs> <laughs> so easy to remember, right? But uh, yeah, yeah. So Stefan uh, contacted me. We went back and forth. How did all this start? Do you remember? There was something about a curated cocktail menu or a cocktail pairing, and you you wrote me a question on Twitter, and that started this whole thing months ago. Right, something something like that. I I do regular. Uh, cocktail tastings for like friends or just to get them an idea of what the the cocktail culture is at the moment right just so sort of a uh, flight of cocktails we yeah, call right. it yeah <laughs> the same way you might do with wine or beer you know mm-hmm. i think that's a that's a great idea uh and and your ideas of course of course small tastes we're not we're not serving five full size cocktails right yeah or nine i normally t- <laughs> do uh seven or nine or eight in uh, oh, a bonus oh, drink, and everybody wants to have the bonus drink as well. So, <laughs> do you make the bonus one a little bigger or a little smaller? <laughs> uh, it, it depends. Sometimes the bonus drink is kind of the last word, um, yeah. cocktail, or or just a long drink like a, a horse's neck or or um, dark and stormy. So I love the horse's neck, oh, and yeah. uh, I've, I've I've turned a lot of people onto it, and uh, it, it's great because you can order it in a bar that you know, doesn't really make cocktails and you're not sure what you're going to get. So it's, uh, I love, I, I'll just tell them I'll have a Jack and ginger with bitters and a lemon. It's a great drink and anybody can make it. Yeah, right. And it's good because you're not like embarrassing the bartender, like asking for something they don't know how to make or whatever, you know. Yeah. So it works out well. It works out well. Very good drink. So I should start making a drink here. Are we finished explaining our, uh, our concept? Uh, Do you want to talk about it just a little more while I get uh, prepped over here to make our daiquiri? Okay, the, the, the thing about these uh, cocktail tasting menus is basically that uh, we try to, as, as already explained, to, to give the people an idea and to have like small gases. And what, what helps here, if you're just looking around on like old markets and so, you can see it on the video, I just found um, like old glassware or just shot glasses, but you can also buy like the new stuff somewhere or even, even Ikea. Um, sells those little um, uh, for for uh, candles things that work perfectly as a tumbler. Put a normal ice cube in, and you have an awesome tumbler here. So um, when when doing a um, an event like that, I always um, start thinking about that. I show everything the the cocktail revolution has to offer now. So I try to to show different 
drink styles. Uh, show a sour, show a Manhattan-style cocktail, maybe an old-fashioned, like one of those drinks, as well as a as a smash, for example, as we do today. And also the, the sweet dessert drinks. There are some really good sweet dessert drinks, like the Brandy Alexander we're going to have today. So um, what, what I always try to do is um, to come up with totally different cocktails. And in the end, you always get the feedback from, from the people that are um, attending that event that they have, uh, each one likes a different cocktail. So like the first one was the best. So no, 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 no. The third one was the greatest. And it's, it's always like that because everybody has different tastes and that is so good and so much fun. Are you still around, Brian? Or did oh, you... Yeah, I just Oh, you I muted, my, I muted my microphone so I could shake my drink because it's loud. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, I made a daiquiri here. Uh, Tristan Stevenson, you, you know him, Stefan? He's a, mm-hmm. an author and a bartender, bar owner from uh, England. Okay. And uh, he, he wrote, recently posted about the, uh, the daiquiri. Uh, for, first, to explain the daiquiri to anybody who doesn't know, a daiquiri is basically a, it's a sour. All it is is uh, rum. Lime juice, simple syrup, yeah? So uh, delicious, simple drink, uh, really a base for a lot of other drinks because, you know, there's so many variations on the sour. Um, But it's kind of a bartender favorite around here. And uh, so many people think of a daiquiri as a frozen slushy drink with, you know, fake strawberry stuff in it. But um, this is the classic daiquiri. Bartenders love it. We call it the snackery, where we might uh, do a very small uh, little shot of one before or after a shift, and uh, for just for the staff. And uh, yeah, that's the snackery, and uh, it's a favorite of bartenders. Very simple drink. I heard someone describe it as you know, if you're going in for a interview for a um, job as a cook, the chef might ask you to make a omelet. You know, a very basic dish, but easy to screw it up, easy to do wrong. So wherever I was reading this, they were saying you know, same thing with the. Uh, a daiquiri, a bartender in an interview, they might ask you to make this drink. And uh, easy to screw up, easy to make, delicious. I love it. So uh, that's the the classic daiquiri. Yeah. We we had once a, a bartender in our podcast as a guest, and he, he told me that every time a new employee started, he uh, he asked him to do a daiquiri, like mm-hmm. as a beginning. So, right, right. Show me your daiquiri, and then good to go. <laughs> so we have a... Uh, a uh, tiny little coupe glass here that I've been chilling with ice. And uh, as Stefan mentioned, it's great to have these very small coupe glasses uh, for tasting. I use these for competitions. When I'm in a cocktail competition, I always bring these along because, uh, you know, the judges aren't looking for a huge uh, drink, when, especially when they have to drink 12 of them. <laughs> right. Our classic daiquiri. And, uh, yeah, so Tristan... Uh, mentioned in a post recently that they did a test uh, about the propor- different proportions you might use for a daiquiri. So I think classically we, uh, what did we say on our menu? We're going to do th- two, uh, four, four to two, two, two to four one. To one. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, something like that. He, he uh, in his test, apparently they were sitting around a bar somewhere uh, recently and uh, they he says the perfect proportion after testing very many of them are, is six to one so that's uh that's interesting and that's a lot more um heavy on the on the rum than most recipes but uh sounds good but uh i ended up i with mine here i did uh one and a half ounces of rum three quarters of lime juice freshly squeezed of course double strained um and did a uh, half an ounce of simple syrup and uh shook that up with ice and then double strain again into my chilled coupe glass okay cheers
Cheers. Enjoy. What what um, we always do when we do um, events like that, um, we always prepare like a little story, um, like you you just did for for every drink uh, drink we offer. So in that case, we might tell about the like the town of Daiquiri, which is located in today's Cu uh, Cuba, and where it might have been invented by a geologist, but. I guess it's like no. when you when you uh, are somewhere in the middle in the in the Caribbean and you have rum and there are limes lying around and you obviously have sugar. I guess you're gonna end up with a daiquiri. Maybe it's not named a daiquiri. Maybe it's just like make that uh, rum tasty in the end. But yeah. Well, I think sort of the classic history lesson that comes from uh, the daiquiri is that, you know, sailors were giving, given a daily ration of rum and um, then they needed citrus or lime to prevent scurvy and then right. sugar to make it palatable. And then there you go. There's your daiquiri. Yeah. <laughs> and do, do you know how the story continues? The officers, officers on that ship, they were not, because they were like royal British and, you know, um, they were not drinking rum. They were drinking their gin. And so and that's how the... Aha. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Gimlet. Nerd same. knowledge. <laughs> no. Well, no, that's interesting. Yeah. The, the Gimlet's uh, same drink with, with gin. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, so then I guess that's the uh, officers drank gin because it was more expensive and the, and the sailors got rum because it was cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. That's uh that's a good story. I never, I never <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> so if, if the next drink would be the gimlet in, in the tasting menu, you could like start with the with the rum story and all of that. And then in the next right. you have that okay, let's go back to the ships and then we have the officers and they yeah. I, I try yeah, to um, to, to, well, we to said, uh, interplay those stories we, uh, with each other, but sometimes it just just doesn't work. Well we said we were gonna discuss the uh, variations of each drink each drink and right? uh, I, I had not thought of the gimlet, but uh you, you mentioned a couple uh, uh Yeah, tea punch. Yeah, uh -huh. where you where you exchange the uh, rum with uh, rum ag uh, agricole. Well, it, it seems to be uh, basically a caparinga recipe. So, in other words, you take take the the limes rind and all, grind it up with the sugar, um, and add add the lime. That was the recipe I saw. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It it depends where you are. Like if you if you're on Martinique, they might do it like on a um, the the traditional way, which reminds us of a, a caipirinha. But uh, like in most bars where you're having a um, tea punch, you're getting more kind of a of a daiquiri with uh, rum, uh, rum agricole. So that uh, rum, right. which is made from fresh um, sugar cane. Right. Sugar cane juice rather than molasses. Yeah, right. Uh, as cachaça is in a caparinga. So uh, that's what made me think of it. It was pre pretty, uh, pretty similar. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's uh, well, it's pretty close. But um, there, are, there are some, some nice uh, plays on the... On the daiquiri, like um, Hemingway had those with uh, grape juice and maraschino and like probably just a bit more of uh, more rum, not like four to one or six to one, more be like. But no sugar, no sugar. Yeah, but if you if you think about the sweetened rum we're getting to, uh, today and probably back in the days as well, there was already sugar in your rum. So um, right, right. So that oh. that should work, right? Um, oh, we should be checking our uh, our comments here. See some comments coming up. Which which rum brand did I use? Yeah, uh, yeah I used uh, 
the real McCoy rum, which is an interesting rum. And I, I was in a cocktail competition uh, with them. I was a finalist in their cocktail competition. And the semifinals were in a beautiful place called Newport, Rhode Island. And they sent, set us up in a uh, great hotel over there. And uh, they took care of our travel in our hotel and took us out after and uh, had meals. And it was a great old time. Oh, and sounds, I, sounds I just like ha- fun. And I just happened to come home with this bottle. <laughs> okay, good. But yeah, it's a great it's a great rum, and they 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 make a um uh, this is their uh, silver three year, but they have uh, and we should have mentioned of course daiquiris are always made with a silver rum, but they have a um. Wait a minute. No, I would you want I to would dispute even that? say made with an unaged rum. Yeah, well, yeah, that's like, an interesting subject, you know, silver rum as opposed to unaged. So uh, a silver rum ha- may be aged and then filtered to get rid of that um, color as as sort of the most famous rum you can think of, uh, Bacardi Silver. That's how they make that. It, it is aged for a bit and then they yeah. actually filter the color out. Yeah, but talking about like Bangs five years, which is still silver rum, But it's aged five years, so you cannot compare it to a rough um, aged half a year in stone or something. Um, But not be too nerdy about that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's a whole story I could tell anyway about this this rum brand, but uh, I did a whole podcast about it when uh, just after the competition, so I'll have to go back and listen to that one. <laughs> yeah, you, maybe you but can the, link the in the show notes. Yeah, I'll have to link to it. Basically, basically, the the real McCoy during Prohibition, uh, there was a guy named McCoy, and he would anchor his boat three miles offshore. So he's technically in international waters, and boats would come to him for uh, for liquor, uh, rum especially. And uh, his rum was always, um, you know, the real thing. It wasn't cut. It wasn't colored. It wasn't, you know, it, it was what whatever it said on the label. That's what you're actually getting. So that's actually where that expression comes from. The real McCoy comes from him. Oh. And uh, so he was technically not breaking the law because he was in international waters and the boats uh, would come from uh, from him, from, from the States, you know, out to his boat, <laughs> sort of okay. like a su- floating supermarket. So I, a, I, called my, I called my cocktail for, the, for that cocktail competition three miles offshore. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Mm, clever, idea. huh? I'm always thinking, always thinking. Okay, when when um shall, shall we go to the uh, next drink? Yeah, that's all on you, bud. Okay, sure. When when doing um a um a tasting like that, I tend to include like um some of these not so common drinks. Well, to bartenders, they are common. We when when I worked at Le Lyon, they we had it like each shift in the beginning like a small Negroni and um yeah. I just love that drink. And I think I'll make one. Let me put the camera down a bit so you can see my... Ah, it's working. Very nice. Okay, very nice. Let's very, start um... with a gin from Germany, mm-hmm. from Mr. Penninger. Hmm. Yeah, we do gins in Germany as well. Nice nice thing about the Negroni is that it's an, it's an aperitif drink and it's um, made equal parts. So whatever you have, like I have a jigger now, but I also could use a, a cup or... A basket, if I just need, or bottles, whatever. <laughs> Bottle uh, cap, anything. Anything, yeah, right. doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, most most bartenders do it a bit more on the gin side. So for a normal yeah, yeah. tasting, I would uh, prefer it having having that drink on the uh, normal side, like one 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 one. If you would be over here, I would be making like three two two or something like that. So 
Yeah, yeah. So Count Negroni uh, was right. uh, royalty, right, the, from the Italy. Campari? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, the story, the story about the Negroni. Yeah, uh, apparently, there was there was a guy named Count Negroni, and uh, you, as you say, he's the hipster of his time, or he was a kind of, <laughs> or he he was a dude <laughs> in the in the old cowboy days. They would call that a dude. That's where, where that expression comes from. But uh, you know, somebody who dresses up fancy and uh, talks fancy and uh, maybe. Exaggerates his wealth a little, or who knows what. But anyway, in uh, in uh, northern Italy, he would he, they drank the uh, americano, and uh, Americans would come over, which is just uh, Campari and vermouth and club soda. So that was uh, the americano because that was sort of for the the Americans, you know, sort of a weak drink. But Count Negroni wanted his drink a little stronger, so he told his his uh, his personal bartender perhaps maybe as the story goes <laughs> yeah right uh, that that uh he wanted uh, an americano but he wanted it with gin rather than club soda Make uh, all equal strong. parts yeah so that's that's the story of the negroni and uh as as with all these uh stories you know f- about drinking from a hundred or so or more years ago we don't know how exactly how true they are but you know if you if you keep retelling that story eventually it becomes right true. it might be true or, <laughs> or not well never <laughs> mind i don't know if it becomes true but it becomes the uh the legend yeah right i'm uh, i just added the vermouth i'm using uh punta mace which is nice. te- technically vermouth and already bitter bitters added so well just a bit more bitters which is not that bad yeah Punta Mesa is great. It's uh, yeah, and it is it, it it is fairly strong taste. So uh, a lot of places, I think, um, if I remember correctly, Death and Co. Here, their house vermouth they mix half and half, one to one. Punta Mesa and Dolan, which is a, a great combination. And uh, I've I've done that myself, and it comes out great, great stuff. Oh, Dolan, that's good. We don't have Dolan that much in Germany. Well, mm. at least I haven't haven't tried in a while to uh, buying it because I always buy Punto Meth or sometimes I buy um, Antica Formula. Yeah, yeah. That's a... Uh, it's like it's double pretty, the price. expensive. <laughs> more expensive. It's, it's crazy. It's quite expensive. But it's it's great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. I find... Uh, you're going you're gonna to see me using some pretty cheap vermouth here today because whenever I buy good stuff, it doesn't last very long in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. So. <laughs> okay. Very now, nice. right very nice from the freezer... On there. One of the small tumblers. Very nice. Yeah, the small tumbler, uh, frozen with a big ice cube in it already. No, it's a small ice cube. It's basically just a small ice, oh, right. ice cube. It's such a tiny glass, I forget. Yeah, right. <laughs> now I just have a lemon left, so no orange, which should be actually used because um, the bartender back in the days changed from the uh, Americano. They used the lemon peel and he changed it to, to the orange peel. Ah, so that's how that happened. Cheers. Cheers, cheers. And cheers to, nice. cheers to every listener who's making himself, herself, a uh, Negroni right now. Yeah. Do you have one, Hazel? Let's bring up Hazel. Oop, where is she? There she is. <laughs> and Ben is having one as well, right? <laughs> uh, what is what is the price for a Capano Antica Formula in the U.S.? Do you know that? Uh, it's 30 to $32 a bottle retail Ooh. for for a $750, $750. Whereas, you know, if you get Martini Rosso, it's seven or eight. <laughs> okay, Dol- yeah. Dolan's about 20, so that's that, I'm comfortable with that, and I, and I love it. So, um, But spending 30 for vermouth is it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot, but 
it's worth it. It makes such it's, a great. It's worth it. Um, what is your favorite uh, play on the Negroni, man? Uh, well, I like the uh, Boulevardier very much, and uh, recently I've been drinking the Old Pal. So the the Old Pal Rye as your whiskey. So so we'll do uh, one part Rye, one part um, Dry Vermouth, and one part Campari. Basically, so that's a little twist on the Boulevardier, which would be one part of Rye, one part Sweet Vermouth, and one part Negron, uh, Campari. Oh, uh, I love that. Boulevardier's, Boulevardier is one of my favorite drinks. Yeah, I actually prefer it. Some, most times I prefer it over the Negroni. But, yeah, I do too. Especially Depending on what time, it, what time of day it is or, you know, early in the day I might go with the Negroni. second one might be Boulevardier. Yeah, like before <laughs> nine in the morning, it's always Negroni. <laughs> wow. Well, nine, o'clock, nine o'clock your time. So that would be three in the morning. Wait, I don't know. Yeah, three in the morning, right. <laughs> like after, if probably. Okay, right. <laughs> let's go to the next drink. So next, the famous basil gin smash. Basil gin smash. I just talked or, to or, uh, Jörg Meyer this morning about the gin basil smash to get the latest information on that. So, what um, a guy here. What a guy. Love that guy. <laughs> absolutely. It's so great. Um, you have to follow. If you're not following him on Facebook, see, see if he'll add you as a friend because his posts are hysterical, especially his, his live videos. They're hysterical. Yeah. And uh, if you if you can uh, can understand German, he's always posting about coffee in uh, in those cups from like uh, on the street. And it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems to post about half and half English and German. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He's got a, a lot of uh, international contacts. He's a well-known bartender around. So this, you've added um, just basil to your to your cup so far to your mixing tin. Right. And back in the days, two thousand and eight. Um, Jörg um, had some, some leftover basil and he started playing around with basil in drinks. And he told me for he was trying about a month or two to create something with basil and gin. In the beginning, he actually called it gin pesto, like the Italian dish pesto. Uh, yeah, I think, the, I think the name he came up with is much better. <laughs> yeah, and now it's, it's gin basil smash. And um, they make about 20% of their salary uh, with gin basil smash in their bar. So that is like crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. When, so when he, had, he came to uh, he came to New York for his 40th birthday party. He decided to throw himself a uh, birthday party in in New York City for employees his 40th. Only, right? and, uh, sorry, he wasn't employees only, right? With no, no, it was um, Snyder and... it was the uh, experimental um, cocktail ah, club. It was called. Yeah, Javier. and um, okay. And uh, so I walk. He invited me, which was an honor. And uh, so I walk in, and there's Dale DeGroff and his wife, and uh, I think Deshaun was there. And uh, but Whoa. I said, I said, I said, are you gonna make me? Uh, are you gonna make me a uh, gin basil smash? And he, he says, No, no, I'm here to enjoy and uh, <laughs> just have have it have a drink, you know. And have, we have these wonderful bartenders here. Didn't take more than uh, half an hour of convincing before he was behind the bar making them up for me. So he he actually made me one once. So that was that was quite an honor uh, that, and uh, and a thrill. <laughs> okay, I just muddled the uh, the basil like crazy, not like not like mint, just touching it barely, but really muddling it because you want to have the whatever chlorophyll in English is out of yeah, the yeah, like the, the green oil. stuff. Oh, the chlorophyll. Yeah, Chlor- chloroform, chlorophyll, chloroform. Chloroform <laughs> is the thing that makes you sleep. <laughs> yeah, right. <It's> probably wrong. <laughs> then you add gin, and by uh, the laws of um, Le Lyon, a normal sour is like five to one or something. But um, he says like six 
the recipe and uh, seven is love. And if you if they make eight in your gin basil smash, they want you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with three and a half because I, I'll just make half a drink. Then I add some lemon. That is, that is uh, one thing you could, uh, if, if you're doing things like that, if you're thinking about doing things like that, start the math in advance because when you're doing an, an event and you have to do 15 drinks, 15 small drinks, which is a, a half or a third drink, and then you have like what, how many normal drinks do I have to make to get 15 small drinks, which is, that is crazy. Yeah, you should yeah. do that in advance. I never do it, and I always go crazy. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it's you know, it seems like oh, he's a good bartender. He should be able to scale that up to you know, make make four and a half of those right in his. No, no, <laughs> it's difficult math. Yeah. Even probably even more so uh, with our with our crazy system rather than the metric system. Yeah, just use baskets and it's one 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 or whatever. Okay, <laughs> I added uh, lemon and I added sugar syrup. And now I'm going to get ice and shake it. I'll mute myself a bit. Um, yeah, 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 go ahead. So, yeah, so uh, you, say that, you say this is the first internet cocktail. So uh, it was published first uh, on July 10th, 2008. And, right, uh, that's on, the birthday on, of Jim Basil Smash. If you happen to be around Hamburg, July 10th, try to go around to Lillian. It's going to be huge. <laughs> is, that, is that a local holiday now? <laughs> in, in the Rathausstraße? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Jörg, who we're talking about here, he came up with that, uh, that drink just, uh, just with some leftovers and uh, posted about it, on, I guess, on, on his own blog, yeah? Uh, Bittersblog.blogspot. We'll, we'll post a link up to that, uh, yeah, back that in the day, original the, posting. The blog is not active anymore. He's not using that, but uh, there you can find the original article. It's in German, though. Ah, well, he put, the first time I heard about him, about Jorg, was three years ago, three and a half years ago. He actually posted something on his blog about our, our podcast. And I was like, wow, that, how cool is that? And and somebody sent me the link, and then the next thing you know, I wrote him a letter and or a note, and uh, we, we, the rest is history. But uh, that was really cool. He posted about our our uh, podcast, and and he listens to it. Of course, yeah. I would listen. And, and is his podcast still around or no? <laughs> or he was talking about doing one, and he never did it, or actually? No, he he did about thirty something episodes, and now uh -huh. not doing any because his co-host is left the town somehow. Ah. Uh. Plus, it's a lot of work. <laughs> right. We know that. So wait. Yeah. We both know that. Um, and Stefan, did you explain that you actually worked there for Jorg for, for a while? Yeah. I, I had the, the opportunity to work there for a month. So after I, I uh, finished college, he was looking for a commis, which is like an a, a apprentice for bar mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. one year. And I was like... Um, well, Jörg, I could, I would love to do it, but I cannot do it like for a year because like I just finished IT studies. I maybe should work there somehow and start to earn some money because my studies took a bit long. Well, um, so, um, I was like, could I work like three or four weeks or something? And he was like, okay, good. Come mm -hmm. in September. And there was like 10 days to go. I had no room in Hamburg. I had no nothing. But I had a job in Hamburg for one month and it was nice. so good. It was so much fun working with the, the team from Le Lyon, working with Mario Capis, head bartender, to, during that time. 
it was I learned so much about drinks, about hospitality, about like behind all that. It was so right. amazing. I can only and, imagine. And I only did one drink. I only did servers and uh, service and um, like uh, opening the door because they have a bell. So you have to go there and open the door and refill water and uh, do orders and everything and do a cheese plate. So they have like a dish. And um, yeah, that's why they call me in Le Lyon cheese bat. Well, <laughs> cheese bat? A bat? Bat. Yeah, like geese bat, it's cheese bat. So um, when the uh, Jim Battle Smash is shaking them, uh, you should double strain because you have all those tiny, tiny uh, basil thingies in there. Nobody wants York. that. York just joined us just in oh. time as you finish his drink. Yuck. <laughs> Hi, Jörg. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> there he Basil is. Smash. <laughs> we can't hear you. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we can't hear you. Yeah. But we are, we're thrilled to have you here, sir. Yeah. And now I have a... Yeah, I added a decoration leave. And now Jim Basil Smash. Cheers, man. Cheers. Mm. Cheers. He told me that they have... 2,400 bottles of gin each year from Jim Basil Smash. Wow. That is amazing. Like amazing. <laughs> that is so good. That's great. Well, it's a, it's a delicious drink. And Jorg, Jorg, I was, is. just oh. before you came on, I was telling them the, uh, the story of how you, your birthday party in Manhattan and how we, uh, and, uh, how we convinced you to get behind the bar and you, you actually made me one in person and it was a real thrill. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess Jorg uh, joined us just after the nick of time because we just finished up his drink. We have to move on to our Manhattan. Wow. <laughs> so it's Not my turn now. Jorg wouldn't like a Manhattan, right? <laughs> right. And the right. rest that's listening, go get your rye, um, get the vermouth. Now we're doing Manhattan. Yeah, we're doing Manhattan. So I'm switching to this microphone here. Okay. And we have our uh, sponsor, Catacomb Creek, sent, uh, sent along this bottle of rye, this wonderful bottle of rye for us to, uh, to make our Manhattan, Catacomb Creek Roundstone Rye. And uh, really good stuff. And uh, we thank our sponsor there from Virginia. So, uh, yeah, we're going to make our Manhattan in this beautiful mixing cup. Don't you like that? <laughs> if, if you can oh, see it. Oh, nice. And um, I start with, I've gotten in the habit, uh, as m many bartenders do, of starting with the least expensive ingredient first for our mixing cup. Um, so this way, if you make a mistake, you have to start over. You're not throwing away the, the good stuff. So, uh, and also, it just helps you keep things straight in your head as, as you build the drink. So uh, Right. Your, your bar manager is, will love you for that. Yeah. You know, which is the opposite of the way I was taught to make drinks when I when I was growing up it was like always the you know the base spirit goes first boom that's the first thing it goes in so uh it's a little departure and uh took a little bit of getting used to not much but uh I really prefer doing it this way now which actually yeah, I just right. realized I, I did not do that when I made my daiquiri did I <laughs> um no probably not in my, in my so, home bar, I always do it with the um ingredient first I like most so if I screw something up I can drink it myself right so let's uh not that I'd want to see Jorg eating his snack, but we'll switch the camera over to me as I make the drink. <laughs> uh, and so I'll show our sponsors a bottle one more time, Catechin Creek Rye. And uh, so I'm using some uh, aromatic bitters here. This happens to be from uh, Bitter Truth. Very mm. interesting bitters. Uh, they make a nice nice line of bitters. And uh, German of course, company. Are they? Yeah. 
They're from Munich. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I like their stuff a lot. The orange bitters are great. They, um, they make a nice line of bitters. And, uh, you know, just a little, not, not that uh, Angostura isn't great, but uh, just to do something a little different. You know, this is not a, the classic recipe, but the first time I had one at Employees Only, I just loved it. And I happen to make mine this way now. Just a tiniest dash of Gramonier in the Manhattan. It's, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm going to just dash this in like I would bitters, you know, so just, just that much. And it okay. really adds a little uh, depth of flavor that I that I really enjoy uh, in in the uh, Manhattan, and I make them that way at my bar now, and people love them. So uh, we were talking earlier about vermouth. I drank all the good vermouth. This I won't show you the label and say it's bad, but <laughs> it's not 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 the brand I would have preferred to use today. Uh, but like I said, I have a hard time keeping it in the house. So um, one part, I'll do one ounce, one part. Uh, of vermouth to two parts or two ounces of rye whiskey. And of course, we didn't talk about this today, but uh, you, you notice we've shaken all of our drinks so far. Uh, this is a stirred drink. And why is that? Because it's all spirit. Um, all drinks with only spirits will normally be stirred to give it a nice silky quality without uh, ice chips in it. Yeah, right. As the Negroni as well, I didn't talk about that. Oh, right. We didn't shake the Negroni, of course not. This is a pretty cool uh, bar spoon here. It has a skull on top. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what would be the story you, you tell when uh, making a Manhattan? Yeah, the story of the Manhattan is uh, its hard to nail down the uh, the history of it. You know, a lot of people say it was uh, invented here at a, at a private club called the Manhattan Club. Um, I think in the end that was not the truth. Uh, you know, wh- whatever Dave Wondridge says is the truth is is pretty much taken <laughs> to be the truth these days. <laughs> and I, I, and I, I should have uh, refreshed my memory, but uh, as it turns out, I don't think that was that was uh, what was just kind of decided on. Um, but the, you know, there's a there's a, a lot of um, controversy on <laughs> where it actually came from. We did a whole podcast about it. There was a guy who wrote a whole book about the Manhattan, so uh, we did a whole show about it. I'd, have, I'd probably have to refer back to that or the book. Okay. Yeah, just add it in the show notes. I love the yeah. story about the the cruise of Churchill's mom to Manhattan, and they just had vermouth, and somehow somebody came up with a, with a rye or berm or something. And they started yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that was that was that was the story that was um, for so long was accepted, and then it was Wondrich who uh, just did found out that uh, the was it was Churchill's mother who was um, apparently in Manhattan uh, and asked for that drink to be made, and uh, that's what Wondrich found out actually during that event, whatever it was. The mother was actually in England giving birth to <laughs> Churchill, so that, well, was, that was dis- disproven. <laughs> yeah, right. What what I always do in in events uh, when I when I have the Manhattan, I talk about bitters because, like to most people, not to bartenders and cocktail nerds, they everybody knows what bitters are, but a lot of people don't know what bitters are and what they're used for and how they taste and everything. And then you just go out and tell tell a bit about Angostura bitters, and maybe add add a um, information on on orange bitters as well, so you you can um, educate. Uh, your listeners or drinkers on on bitters on cocktail ingredients and uh, when they try it themselves they they are really interested and they get the uh, when they then again drink the drink the manhattan they they taste the difference like 
oh, now I tell it to taste the... Yeah, that would be an interesting thing to, uh, if you're trying to educate your guests about bitters, um, to make them a drink like a Manhattan with and without, you know, and, yeah. and taste the difference that those few drops can make. I, I love doing things like that, you know, altering just one very small ingredient and, and seeing what the difference is. Yeah. If, you, if you go to, to the Cannon Bar in Seattle from uh, Jamie Boudreau, mm -hmm. they, they have a Manhattan tasting menu and they change the vermouth in it which is also a great idea. And mm -hmm. I, I was there and I saw people trying that and they, they going back and forth with, between the three uh, Manhattans and it was so interesting just watching them and listen uh, how they like get the feeling on what's different, just the vermouth. Yeah, that's thing. cool. His, I was looking for his book. It's around here somewhere. It's a great book. His, his, the Cannon Cocktail book, have you, do you have it? No, I have, uh, haven't. Oh, oh, it's fabulous. Um, yeah, Christmas coming up. <laughs> okay, I'll send you one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, garnish for a Manhattan. Lots of options, right? So, uh, I I love just uh, expressing the oils from a lemon peel in there. Uh, I feel like it really gives it a nice, fresh, it really brightens the drink up quite a bit. And then um, I'm just going to not put that in my drink. I'm going to discard the twist. Mm. Um But, I mean, you could do an orange twist, a cherry, of course. I can't tell you how many people are, are, how many guests are just appalled if I try to get them to drink a Manhattan without one. <laughs> But, um, on. you know, it depends on the quality of your cherries, too, you know. Yeah. I, I actually have some nice ones here, and I'm just going to eat one on the Enjoy. side Enjoy. and drink my well, Manhattan. Should, what is your, your twist? Well, you already made a twist on the Manhattan. Uh, what is your favorite twist? Is it that? Yeah, with Grand Marnier. I just pull, I call it the employees only style Manhattan. Oh, okay. But you have a favorite yourself, and a, a, I do a, a variation. Uh, it is the, called the Green Point, or in, internally we call it Capis Manhattan. Capis was the head bartender at Le Lyon when I worked there, and um, he made that Manhattan for the first time for me. It is so good. Um, what you do there is rye, like. Rittenhouse or something, and then half vermouth, uh, Punta Mace, and half a yellow chartreuse, oh. and a dash of Angostura, a dash of orange bitters. Mm -hmm. It is such a great drink. It is so good. I bet. I have never tried that. The, dream, mm -hmm. uh, the drink is called uh, Green Point. And that's probably a variation. Of, uh, that probably is named for Green Point, Brooklyn, I bet. Yeah, right. Because there's uh, all these variations on the Manhattan Uh, you are just shaking his head very vigorously. Uh, there's all these, there's all these, um, <laughs> wait, 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 there he is. <laughs> uh, there's all these variations on the Manhattan, uh, the Bronx, right? Uh, the, uh, the Brooklyn and, uh, although the, the, the Bronx is a bit of a departure from the Manhattan, I think with orange juice in it, but the, the Bronx is what gin, dry vermouth and orange juice, I believe. Do I have that right, Jorg? <laughs> I think so. I have no uh, idea. I've never made one, but uh, while researching uh, variations on the Manhattan, that, that wow. one comes up a lot. Um, never mind. Make but, yourself a green paint. You don't want to have any anyone yeah. else, anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. The, the Bronx doesn't sound that 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 great to me. But uh, but there, yeah, there's all these different uh, variations on on the Manhattan based on other neighborhoods in New York City, right? Which makes sense. Oh, so did we finish talking about stirring versus shaking? Of course, either way, stirring or shaking, you're di diluting your drink a little, adding some water to it um, so it's not 
all all booze. Uh, I mean, in this in this case, there's you know there's no other ingredient but uh, but uh, alcoholic beverage uh, drinks. So uh, we're adding uh, we're adding uh, a little dilution to it. So it's um, besides cooling it, we're diluting it. Yeah, right, and that that's really important. There's an interesting um, concept. You know, somebody talked about just a straight up gin martini. Yeah. So if you take the ingredients and uh, put them in the freezer until they're really cold, and then compare that to a properly made one where you actually stir it to cool it, you know, taste the difference, and it's going to be the difference because it's going to be night and day because it's, uh, you know, that's not the proper way to make it, is it? <laughs> well, well, a friend of mine always freezes his gin, like make it yeah. not freezing but makes it really cold. Um, for his martinis, but he actually doesn't like uh, martinis other way, so he's always doing it uh, that way. So, well, as bartenders, yes, like you, we like our drinks martini wrong. Martini version in at Le Lyon also with some frozen stuff or really chilled, right? Yeah, we we need to talk later. In the end of the show, we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, should, I wish finish? we had worked out the technology better, where we could bring people in. But <laughs> next next time, we'll figure it out better. Okay. <laughs> so, to finish, uh, to finish it yeah. tasting like that. I I always try to come up with something dessert-like or um, sweeter, if if not like the last word, which is not sweet and dessert-like, but it's well, it's the last word. So in in this case, we are doing the uh, brandy Alexander, right? That's right. Yes, and um, this was yeah, this was your idea to do a brandy Alexander last, and I and I like it. I I don't make them often, although we did do an event recently where they they requested it. So uh, okay. yeah, it's a nice drink. So it's two ounces of um, brandy. We have a sponsor, and we have a brandy brandy sponsor today. Whoa, Copper and Kings American Brandy, and uh, it's great stuff made down in Kentucky. Can we see it there? Yeah. Copper and Kings, American Brandy. And uh, our friend Kate Large is the uh, local sales rep uh, and brand ambassador here in New York. And she's a great lady and, um, yeah, provided us with this to make it. Uh, often you'll see it made with uh, cognac, but um, this brandy's uh, awesome. So let me switch mics here. If I'm serving that at a, um, at a tasting, I always uh, tell the story about the, the wedding of the... I think it's the aunt of the queen, and during I don't know wedding, you ma you mentioned this. I I don't know anything about this yeah, story, so yeah. I'll leave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> during her wedding, the uh, brandy Alexander was served for the first time, and it 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 came out of the gin Alexander, which actually was before that. Basically, should be called Alexander, which is gin and uh, white creme de cacao and cream, and um, then they changed it for her wedding. <laughs> Uh, to be the wedding drink, um, to use brandy. I guess there were some French or Spanish people involved, so they, that's why they used the brandy in the end. What I like about that drink, it's a drink with, with cream and sugary, but it's not that overly sweet drink as some, some of these 80s drinks filled up with cream and all those Uh, bad ingredients to just mask the the taste of the bad spirit you're using and the money you're saving. Um, so this is this is actually a, a really good drink, a, a strong drink. It's probably made. And yeah, yeah. Um, since we since we're using cream and cloudy ingredients, we can shake it. And if you shake it really hard, you're gonna have nice foam. And we all listen turn to the Brian. Mic down. You can keep talking. I love that noise <laughs> of people shaking their drinks 
I really enjoy listening. Did you see there, there was an article recently? I read somewhere that there was a chef who said he hated that noise and he wanted he was building his bar behind glass because he thought that the guests should be nowhere near where the drinks were being made and it was like really kind of offensive. <laughs> Ooh, no, I, I like that noise. Yeah, it's the best, isn't it? Well, yeah, it was, and um, it's nice with the cream. You get a nice foamy head on there. And uh, you know what I made? I guess you would call it a variation of this drink. Um, somebody asked me the other day for a drink I probably hadn't made in 15 years, uh, the toasted almond. Do you know that drink? No, never heard. <laughs> so it's Kahlua, um, Di Serono, and cream. And it was actually quite delicious. <laughs> sweet. Yeah, I, I put enough cream in cream in it, so it wasn't too sweet. Okay. Well, you have alcohol, you have sugar and fat. You have like three ingredients that supports the taste. Should be good. Yeah, it was it was, it was quite good. And I'm not a huge fan of Di Serrano, but that, that drink tasted pretty good. Mm. I, so, um, I don't even have it in my bar. No. <laughs> Freshly grated nutmeg. Great, yeah. great yeah. ingredient in this drink, and even uh, used in um, rum punches and things. So it's good stuff. Cheers! Cheers! Enjoy. Yeah, it's good. It's not. It's not overly sweet at all. Oh, it's it's a proper drink. You have enough booze in it. In fact, I, c I could I could see this even a little sweeter, to be honest, especially uh, as an after dinner drink. Are you using cream or a half and a half or something? It's um light cream, so it's a little bit. <laughs> a little lower, oh, a little yeah, lower calorie for my girlish figure. <laughs> this uh, this creme de cacao is uh, made uh, right here in the Hudson Valley of New York um, by you know uh, Hudson Whiskey. Yeah, I maybe guess don't I've seen that on the bar fair last week, uh, last year in Berlin. Yeah, yeah, um, but it's made by that same company, and um, it's just not not that sweet, you know. So I mean, the only sweetness from this drink comes from the cacao. So. You know, uh, probably a uh, more commercial creme de cacao would be sweeter. I need to taste this on, on, its, on its own. I haven't tasted it by itself in so long. Well, that's our five drinks. We made all the drinks. We talked about the, uh, the tasting menu. We talked about the ideas of the event. We talked about um, the stories. Include personal stuff in the stories that really pumps them up. I always tell about uh, my time at Lillian if we're making drinks from Lillian. Hazel, Hazel says cheese. I don't know what that means. Uh. <laughs> um, they, uh, the, the story I, I told you earlier about my, my last name, they changed it when I worked at Le Lyon, and I had to make um, the cheese plate. Like on my first night, I was so, so nervous, and <laughs> it was packed. There were like 10 people mm -hmm. at, the, at the same time in the bar. So it was, to me, it was <laughs> like, whoa, so many people. And I was like really stressed out, <laughs> and everybody was laughing at me. <laughs> So that first night, um, I learned how to make the, the cheese plate. Somehow, five people asked for a cheese plate that night. The whole rest of the month, I did like 10 more for, no, for a whole month. But on the first night, five uh, cheese plates. And so, uh, Jörg Meyer and Mayo Kappes called me cheese bread from then on. And some others, other guys in the uh, cocktail environment in germany he knows that name <laughs> oh cheesy good to see you <laughs> yeah. well, you know what we you know what we could do is um turn off skype and then unmute our google output and then we could talk to everybody for a minute 
Well, we went on to speak to everyone who had joined us for the video conference after that, and Stefan recorded it, so maybe we'll get a chance to hear that in a future episode. Uh, we'll get to hear from Jorg Meyer. So we always do a cocktail of the week. Well, we had five this week. So uh, if you want copies of the recipes, the menu that we did today, and uh, the sort of uh, stories behind the, the different drinks and some of the variations that we talked about, uh, get on over to bartenderjourney.net, find the posting that goes along with this show, number 195, and uh, we'll, we'll send you a copy of the PDF. And if you have any trouble finding that at all, just uh, you can also go to the contact page, bartenderjourney.net slash contact, and use that form there and uh, send me a note, and I'll send you the PDF of, uh, of today's um, sort of uh, synopsis. And I guess that'll be our book of the week as well, uh, that PDF. Thanks again to our sponsors, Catacoon Creek, Roundstone Rye, and Copper and King's American Brandy. And a big, big thank you to Stefan for coming up with the concept for today's show and for handling a lot of the tech that was necessary to pull it off. Uh, we may do more live video like this in the future with Stefan and uh, do different menus. So get on our mailing list at bartenderjourney.net slash subscribe and we'll let you know what's going on. This is really cool to branch out internationally. Today we linked up with Germany with Stefan. If you remember, we did a show a little while back about Aquavit with Martin and Thomas. Um, so yeah, it's really cool to, uh, to collaborate with you guys and uh, branch out. Uh, whether internationally or uh, within the States. Uh, either way, if you have an idea for a podcast episode like we did today, get in touch. We'd love to hear about it. And again, you can go to bartenderjourney.net slash contact to uh, easily get in touch with me there. Well, this will be the last show of 2016 uh, as I record this uh, just after Christmas. And, uh, well, let's do let's do a nice toast for the, for the new year. We hope for you fulfillment, contentment, peace, and more. A brighter, better New Year than you've ever had before. Cheers. We'll see you next year, 2017, on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Yeah.